All right. Welcome back. Good to have you here. Oh, it's going to be a fun one for us. Uh, We've got a good two and a half with you here on a Thursday afternoon. In fact, this is really our last big show of the week. We've got uh, tomorrow 90 minutes. So thank you, uh, Albuquerque Isotopes, for the strangest baseball scheduling ever. Yesterday, the doubleheader, which killed sports talk completely. Today, 6.30 is the first pitch, so we get at least we get two and a half hours to go up to first pitch. Tomorrow, the game starts at 5.30, and because we run our one-hour um, high school football, uh, football Friday night pre-show, we'll only be on from 3 to 4.30. I can't believe it. Battle of I-10 is two days away. we got 90 minutes tomorrow with you. But, hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. And, Adrian, that just means uh, we need to get as many calls in these next two shows as possible. That's exactly right, Steve. It's NFL Week 1, and I am so fired up. I'm, I'm thrilled about uh, the Los Angeles Rams kicking things off tonight against the Buffalo Bills. Got my Ram shirt on, defending Super Bowl champions. It's the last day I could say that, so uh, I'm going to definitely say it loudly and proudly. Uh, and then we got the whole slate of Week 1 NFL football. Fantasy football kicks off for all the fantasy football fans out there. And then sandwiched in between all of that is uh, Battle of I-10, Saturday. It's out at the Sun Bowl, 7 o'clock kickoff, and it should be a great one. And, uh, yeah, busy weekend. Can't wait. Can't wait for all of it. Uh, earlier today, we spent the afternoon uh, for a couple of hours out at Pete's Patio, which is in the middle of the NMSU uh, Student Union in that area at Corbett Hall. And we did something that we've been wanting to do for a while. We joined forces with Director of Athletics Mario Mocha, and we sampled every single licensed product that he has been able to um, develop and, and uh, all these deals he's been able to swing over the last couple of years. We, and we tried them all. I mean, we burned the candle, which is called Smell of Victory, which I thought is, is it's hilarious. Um, so that was, the, that was one of the first things we did. And then we went um, in no particular order. We went beer, whiskey, water, peanuts, tequila, pecans, salsa, and wine. I mean, it was wild. Thank God Adrian drove. I don't even know if I would have been in condition to drive us back from Cruces. But um, we did it. And I give Mario a lot of credit. Not many directors of athletics would be able to drink uh, a shot of whiskey, tequila, beer, wine, and do all that before a 1 o'clock meeting. He pulled it off. So congratulations, Mario. Way to go. Adrian, this was a lot of fun for us. Um, we've, we took a lot of video today. I want to thank Nicole Sack. I want to thank um, everybody out there. Justin Bannister, the whole NMSU team. They were there in full force. I want to thank Sodexo for hosting us. David for bartending for us. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun to be a part of that. And all I can say is I hope, I hope someday in the not-too-distant future, UTEP can find a way to do the same kind of things through the Texas system the way Mario has over these last few years through the state of New Mexico and uh, what he's been able to put together for his athletic department. Because all I can tell you is Mario has more consumables than are known to uh, man. Just wait. I'm telling you, 
Don't be surprised if Aggie weed becomes available in the next couple of years. I mean, it's legal there, so that you could do it. But, I mean, Adrian, it's wild to think about what he's been able to pull off or what we got to experience firsthand today. Yeah, no doubt. It was a lot. It was a ton of fun to just do this. This has been kind of a bucket list item of ours for a while now, and it was a realistic one to do because of Mario Mocha and his great team out there at NMSU, and, and uh, they were great hosts. This was so much fun. Uh, I have 40 five minutes of video to edit uh, over the next two and a half hours to try to get this up on our YouTube channel tonight because it doesn't make any sense to put this up tomorrow. doesn't make any sense to put this up Saturday, of course, Battle of I-10. we got to get this up tonight and get people fired up about what we did. Absolutely. And listen, don't be jealous, minor fans. UTIP can't do what New Mexico State can do in terms of licensing right now. They don't have to go through near as many hoops and, and all the bells and whistles like uh, like Jim Center and the minors do. If you don't think UTIP would have liked to have come out with their own beer through Dead Beach years ago, since Dead Beach is selling their beer at UTEP games, you're crazy. Of course they would. It's just a lot tougher, I think, for them in the state of Texas than it is in the state of New Mexico. But hey, more credit, more power to Mario, who has put together a massive line of food and beverages and the candle and everything else that they've been able to to do that we tried. And by the way, even though on camera you mostly see Mario and yours truly, uh, I am happy and pleased to report Adrian tried everything, including the whiskey, the tequila, the wine, the beer, the water, the coffee. The peanuts, the pecans, he smelled the candle, um, he did it all. And um, you were telling me, and, and I agree with this, even though it hasn't officially been dropped yet, it won't be dropped till the end of the month, that new Aggie salsa is unbelievable. It really is. I feel like uh, people who get a chance to go out to the unveiling uh, celebration, uh, get a chance to taste it for the first time, they're going to be uh, very surprised at how good this is. Because, you know, for people who love, like, heavy salsa and really spicy salsa, you're going to like it because it's it's not too much, but it still gives you that hatch green chili kick. And then for those who like mild and who don't like the spicy stuff, they'll still be able to tolerate this one right here. Unless I'm, you know, unless I'm a little far-fetched here, Steve, but I thought it was fantastic. I can't believe believe they've got a patio bar in the middle of their student union that features food, beer, wine, and hard liquor. I mean, that was the thing that blew me away. You saw the way that that is positioned. And I, I mean, listen, I went to UT. I never had that in Texas. Okay. I know it's not a UTEP. And then you go to New Mexico State and essentially right in the middle of their, of their student union uh, is, this, is this patio bar. That, that has everything. Yeah, and you could tell, like, they host parties out there. They host, like, uh, viewing parties, watch parties, things weddings. like that. Weddings. We heard from Mario Mocha today. I mean, that area is beautiful. And uh, the thing that was just kind of refreshing to see, and I don't get a chance to see this often, but uh, seeing a lot of kids on campus, yeah. like a lot of college camaraderie and college life out there at NMSU. So got to compliment him on that because uh, over at UTEP, at least, you know, in my perspective, I used to just go to class, go to the prospector, go home. Home. I wouldn't linger around, you know, the the campus and, and you know hang out or do anything like that. You know what? Here's what I don't get though. What I can't figure out is this. So NMSU's food partner is Sodexo. That's also UTEP's partner. And you walked around today and saw that giant um, cafeteria with every kind of food imaginable from Sodexo. And the first thing you're thinking about is how? 
How are they? It's the same. These two schools have the same company, have the same supplier. How is it so different from one to the nut to the next? Yeah, great question. I know the UTEP has the pick and shovel. They have other like vendors who are there. So they've got like your Chick Fil A. They've mm-hmm. got your Pizza Hut. Those kinds of companies who are actually at UTEP and they have little booths and, and stuff like that where they sell food. But you don't have what what uh, NMSU has, and that's a huge buffet style kind of cafeteria ki- uh, style uh, food area like they had today, which we got to experience. I mean, you could choose breakfast items as late into the afternoon as we were there, like what we were there around noon, or you could get healthy salads. You could get Mexican food. You can get pasta. They just had a ton of selections for all the kids who were going. They did, and a lot of students, a lot of student-athletes, a little bit of everybody was the best way to put it. That's Ran uh, into some basketball players, huh? Yeah, we did. We sure did. So... Um, and that's another thing, you know, they, they, they keep everybody out there. So, uh, and you know, they're itching to get back on the court and, and start that off. You know, that's coming and that's coming soon, sooner rather than later. Oh yeah, no doubt. And, and you could see how excited those guys were. We saw some, uh, NMSU football players as well. I mean, we just saw a lot of people all together. We did, we did. And they still have right now the challenge going on, which is a chance to vote for, um, you know, both schools and uh, not vote, but like give money, I should say. That's the better description is that you can give money to either UTEP or you can give money to New Mexico State because, Adrian, they have a website that gives uh, fans the chance to do both, really, and see who can raise the most money for student athletes. I think they're calling it the, the Battle of I 10 um, challenge, is the best way to put it. And it's exactly what it is. And I wrote about this earlier in the week because I thought it was a really cool idea that both schools came up with. Now I'm interested to see if the UTEP donors can get go ahead and, uh, and find a way to get this thing a little closer. That would be nice because UTEP already has Jordan Palmer. They already have Lee Mays. They're promoting the game from that standpoint for Saturday, but they also have the uh, I-10 rivalry challenge going right now. And uh, Dr. Heather Wilson cut a video to ask uh, UTEP fans to donate. So you've got the I-10 Rivalry Challenge. You can support the Miners or the Aggies. Currently, the Aggies have, as of this very moment, they have a total of 104 donors of their 200 donor goal. Campaign will end Saturday at 11.59 at night. Okay, So 104 out of 200 for New Mexico State. UTEP has a total of... 56 out of 200. So the question is, how does New Mexico State seem to have double the number of donors for a project that both schools have access to the same website, which gives you the choice of voting for either or donating to either UTEP or New Mexico State? How is that working? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure, Steve. But I, I'll say this: the way that it looks like, Las Cruces donors have deeper pockets uh, right now. Um, but uh, you know, going back to what you mentioned, as far as uh, some of the shoutouts we've seen on social media, uh, I really like the one that UTEP posted today with Brian Young. Uh, his shoutout, by the way, my favorite one is Johnny Lee Higgins. There's not going to be anybody who has a better video than Johnny Lee Higgins and what he was able to do to just fire up the UTEP fans about what they're doing for this uh, this you know uh, incentive. And then I also also know that they had Gary Nord. That may have actually detracted ah. some uh, votes or some people donating. Steve, if you saw Gary Nord uh, put that video together, you might have been uh, not inclined to actually donate for UTEP. Mm, could well, that's that's interesting. 
By the way, um, <laughs> nice jab at Gary Nord. You weren't on the air when he was coaching. I wasn't alive when he was coaching. I was doing this show when he was coaching. So, yes, I remember Gary very well. Paul Marmalejo, you guys are far-fetched from a university experience. Um, let me say this, okay? Number one, Paul, I attended college at UT, all right, in the early 90s. So I could tell you, I know what a university experience is like. Four years in Austin in the early 90s, I can honestly say, were some of the best years I ever had uh, in, in terms of my, uh, my you know, education experience. Adrian, you attended UTEP. You spent four years at UTEP, and then you know we were just walking around the campus in New Mexico State today. Does it seem like the same kind of university experience to you between the two? Not even close. I mean, it, it was one of those things where when I went to UTEP, I had a great time. I, I I had an awesome time with all my friends and all that kind of stuff, but it was always outside of campus. We never stayed on campus. And, you know, if you walk around the Union, yeah, sure, you're going to see some people out there for UTEP, but you're not going to see the heap of students like we saw today or the camaraderie, like the people who are just engaging. I, I didn't see anybody have, like, headphones on in the, uh, the student union over there in Las Cruces. People were all talking. They were all, you know, uh, uh, just being friendly with each other, which is really cool to see. That's the college experience you kind of want. Yep, absolutely. All right, look, we've got tickets to give away for Saturday's game. These are great seats, by the way. Section 4, these are terrific seats. And we're going to give these away during the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl watch. When we play trivia today, not only are you going to win a pair of tickets to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, but as a bonus, you're going to the Battle of I-10 on Saturday. That's coming up in our 5 o'clock hour when Bernie Olivas joins us. Next up, we'll get Jay Jaffe. We'll talk some baseball. Um, I am interested. The line for the game Saturday has jumped up to 17. It was at 14. Now it's at 17. Uh, that I did not expect. So right now the money's going on UTEP. It really is, Adrian, and uh, you know, I wonder where it's going to end up by Saturday. Yeah, I wonder if UTEP would be able to hang around if that's the case on Saturday, or, or just make that uh, cover on their side because that's a that's a steep spread right there in favor of the Miners. And I get it. You you look at New Mexico State the way that they came out in the first two weeks. Although I, I would argue that if they go with Gavin Frakes at quarterback, the Aggies have a chance to to hang in in this game and make it a lot closer than the spread it would indicate. Yeah, two touchdowns and a field goal is a lot of points for a team that has not won a football game yet all right uh that is uh, so true so we'll talk more about this during the show we'll get jay on next talk a little baseball and beer so stay with us let's go first to charlie one and get this traffic update 17 passed as we get started here on our thursday edition of sports talk 21 past the hour as we continue here on sports talk I know the NFL is kicking off tonight in a couple of hours and a lot of fans excited about that. But I do want to welcome back uh, to the show Jay Jaffe, who we chat with every week from uh, Fangraphs.com. You can check out Jay on Fangraphs and also follow him on Twitter at Jay underscore Jaffe. In fact, if you uh, do watch or do go visit Fangraphs on a regular basis, you'll uh, see some recent stories that Jay wrote about Dylan Cease, Shohei Otani, the Mets. Uh, By the way, Jay, uh, there have been some epic collapses over the last uh, month or two in baseball, and they both seem to involve uh, the two New York teams. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's really fair to say that about the Mets. Um, the Braves have caught up to them because the Braves have been playing at, a, at like, winning 72% of their games. 
Uh, I wrote about the Mets today. They've they've won uh, at a uh, 633 winning percentage or, or better uh, every month except for uh, June when they went 13 and 12 uh, without uh, Max Scherzer or Jacob Degrom and with uh, uh, Francisco Lindor kind of banged up. So um, the fact that the Braves have caught up to the Mets is testament to just how well the Braves have played more than it is uh, the Mets. Uh, going into a tailspin, they've been playing very good baseball, winning almost two thirds of their games since the start of since the start of July. How do we explain the Yankees? I don't. <laughs> they're they're they are regressing. They are regressing severely. Um, you know, we thought they were you know a ninety something win team at the start of the season. That is indeed, I think, where they're going to wind up. Um, you know they 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 played for a while like they were going to challenge the you know the uh, single season wins record that was that was pretty far over their heads the the starting pitching uh, was going great for a while it has uh, regressed considerably and uh, uh, now they're dealing with a bunch of injuries all at once here including DJ LeMahieu who just landed on the uh, injured list here um, John Carlos Stanton I don't think has been right for a while they lost Matt Carpenter who was really kind of their secret weapon. Um, it's just a bunch of things that have gone wrong for them all, all at once here. They lost Andrew Benintendi, whom they acquired at the trade deadline and who had started to come around. It's, it's just uh, uh, a rough stretch for them, and you know nobody's going to weep for them. Uh, they did manage to take a uh, doubleheader from the Twins and, and uh, get back on, on track here, but uh, they're, they're really kind of wheezing. Yeah, they are. And and I wonder if ultimately if, if this team just completely uh, fades out or or worse, uh, you know, exits quickly in the postseason, assuming they get there, uh, is this the end of Aaron Boone? Well, you know, I think I, I think it's 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 possible that this could be the end of Aaron Boone. I don't think first of all, I think they've got some reinforcements coming here. Uh, with regards to their lineup, they they did not get great news on Carpenter, but uh, they're looking to get Luis Severino back pretty soon. Here, uh, they're hoping that Harrison Bader, whom they traded for uh, at the uh, traded Jordan Montgomery for, is go- is going to join them soon. Um, you know, this is, this can be a better team here. Um, you know, they're in all likelihood they're they're going to have one of the buys, uh, first round buys, so they will start at the division series. I'll give them additional time to rest up. But yeah, I do think the pressure is kind of on Aaron Boone right now, uh, given where this team stood, uh, you know, six weeks ago to where they are now. Um, you know, to 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 get the Yankees further, it's also on Brian Cashman. This is uh, um, you know a pretty pretty serious collapse here. But let's remember, uh, I did the study years ago. I've repeated it again and again. Studies show that how you play in September is not a determinant of how you play in October. True. Um, you know that said, uh, significant losses of personnel can you know can can distort that. Uh, if the team's not the same team as it as it was when they were winning in the summer, um, you know all bets are off. No, that's a good point. And meanwhile, if you, let's let's give credit where credit's due. Toronto and Tampa have really picked things up and have been playing some uh, terrific baseball as of late. I mean, they're both within you know five and six and a half games of the Yankees right now, and. You know, you look at the way the wild card picture is shaping up. It's not out of the question where you know the Rays and Jays could both make the uh, the playoffs as wild card teams, and if the Orioles can start getting hot again, they might even have a chance to try to uh, squeak in over Seattle. Yeah, I think it's probably. I think Seattle's actually in, 
in, in pretty good shape here. And I think it's the other two AL East teams besides the Orioles that are going to get in. I'm actually writing about the Rays uh, for tomorrow. Their last four weeks they've gone 19-5, and five, uh, tied with the Braves for the best record in baseball in that span. Pretty impressive run there. Uh, and I think that uh, um, you know, they're back They're back in, in, in the good graces here. They're getting Wander Franco back from the injured list this weekend. So um, suddenly they look like uh, a, a pretty strong team. Uh, the one I would worry about right now is the Blue Jays, who've, who've kind of uh, uh, meandered a little bit. They looked like a very strong team earlier this year, but uh, not not as much lately. Well, they've won eight of their last ten, and that to me yeah, is that's you fair. Know. So uh, we'll be interested to see, though, if they can close over the final uh, three weeks of the regular season into the playoffs as we continue with Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs. How about the AL Central division right now? You've got, realistically, three teams all playing just over 500 baseball in Cleveland, Minnesota, and the White Sox, and it's uh, completely up for grabs at this point. Yeah, I, you know, it's, I, it's, a, it's, it's not a very impressive race. It's three mediocre teams. Um, I, you know, I think that the White Sox, uh, I, you know, pr- probably if they were, if they were all healthy would be the team I would, I would pick there. Um, as it is, I think it's probably Cleveland, but, uh, uh, I just haven't seen enough out of any of these teams to think that they're good, that they're better than even the third wild card team. Are you, um, yep. Are you amazed that with all the injuries the Dodgers have been dealing with, especially to their pitching staff, they're still a 94 and 42 team? You know, it's 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 impressive, but they worked hard to cultivate that depth. I mean, they they utilized their resources and and uh, um, they've turned some uh, you know some journeymen into some pretty impressive players. Uh, Tyler Anderson being, I think, uh, uh, the the prime example this year, and Trace Thompson as well. So um, they've played remarkably. Uh, Clayton Kershaw has looked good in his two starts since coming off the IL. Um, that's uh, got to got to be uh, got to give them a, at least some peace of mind here after uh, losing Tony Gonsolin for what could be uh, a longer stretch than just the minimum stay. So, be interesting to see what happens there. Absolutely right. You also wrote about Shohei this week and just what he's been able to do and how right now, uh, although he's not the favorite for both, you could definitely look at Otani in in the uh, Cy Young and the MVP races. Yeah, it, you know what he's done is is remarkable. I mean, what he done last, what he did last year is impressive. He's hitting at almost the same clip, uh, and, but he's pitching uh, about a run per nine innings better. Um, you know, if you if you look at his peripherals, and uh, uh, really, I think it's only the uh, the lack of innings that, that that could keep him from winning a Cy Young. Um, the race is kind of up for grabs, particularly with Justin Verlander uh, landing on the injured list. Um, Shane McClanahan there too. I regard it as a four-person race between uh, between those guys and jeez, uh, I'm blanking on the fourth one here now. Uh, Dylan Cease, who, mm-hmm. who came close to pitching a no-hitter uh, over the weekend. So, um, I, you know, I really do think it's going to be the closing statements from these guys that, that determine who wins it. It's tough to you know, it's tough to say that any one of them uh, has truly separated themselves, uh, except for maybe Verlander. But losing this time. Uh, to injuries uh, doesn't help his cause. Well, last time a pitcher won Cy Young and MVP was 2014 when Kershaw did it. And before that, Verlander did it in 2011 with the Tigers. So two in the last 11 years, it's still not, it's not a common feat, Jay. This is pretty rare. Yeah, it's pretty rare. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very rare for a pitcher to, to get, uh, 
consideration in an MVP race, but uh, um, you know, Otani's not just a pitcher. He's also one of the league's best hitters, so this is a, a very different thing, I think, in, in that regard. More with Jay as we continue here on Sports Talk, but first, let's hit the bottom of the hour, and we've got Adrian standing by with this Sports Center update. You know, Jay, I saw a stat after uh, Juan Soto had to leave yesterday's Padres game with that shoulder injury, although they expect him back for the Dodgers series this weekend. Since San Diego acquired him, he's only batting two thirty-two with three home runs and six RBIs. That's hard to believe for a guy uh, that, that really has the kind of uh, appeal and, and value as Juan Soto does. Yeah, but I mean, batting average doesn't, doesn't come close to telling the story of what, of what Juan Soto gives you here. Um, you know that 232 batting average comes with a 397 on base percentage. It's, the power outage has, has you know has been there for sure. Um, you know, it hasn't been great, but that's still good for a 130 uh, uh, WRC plus, producing 30 percent ahead of the league average here. Um, he's been one of the one of the Padres' best hitters. It just hasn't boiled down to batting average, so it's uh, uh, not a lot of fun to watch. But when you're walking 20 percent of the time, True. that covers for a lot of sins and and. Uh, um, you know, it's he's, he could do, he could certainly do better than this, uh, and I think the Padres expect him to. But uh, um, he has not been a detriment to their lineup uh, so far. I wonder how many runs he scored over that period of time since uh, he's walked so many times, like you mentioned. Uh, let's see here. He has scored scored twenty runs in twenty nine games, but he's driven in just six. Yeah, three three of them via home runs. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think that I think the, the the Padres expected more. I think part, you know part of it is he's, he's being pitched around a lot. Um, you know, this guy has has the best batting eye in, in the entire major leagues, and uh, um, he's you know he's not going to expand his zone uh, very often uh, unless the situation calls for it. Tell me about your thoughts on what baseball is going to be voting for tomorrow. The competition committee rule changes that could begin uh, would begin next year. We're talking about a pitch clock for the first time, the elimination of the shift, larger bases, and even limiting how many times a pitcher can uh, go off the rubber uh, during an at bat. Yeah, I'm still sort of digesting these things here. Uh, you know, I, I'm I think the pitch clock is 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 uh, uh, an experiment worth trying. Um, you know, I'm more open to the idea of, of uh, uh, regulating defensive positioning than than I was maybe a couple of years ago. Although I, I don't really love it. Um, this is the, I, th- I believe this is the first time since 1871 that there's been a rule change regarding defensive positioning here. So um, that's how unprecedented this is uh, with, within the sport. Um, the throwing over rules don't really make a whole lot of. Uh, uh, sense to me, I have to look more closely at them. It seems it, uh, I'm not sure exactly, you know, other than um, it, it will cut some time out, but the running game is not, you know, maybe it's going to encourage the running game a little bit, but these automatic balks and things like that, I don't know if I like that. Uh, the larger bases make sense, um, but I, I don't think they have a huge impact. Maybe they maybe they, they prevent some injuries here. I don't think they, they noticeably increase uh, stolen base rates. I'll say this, though, when you're uh, sliding into second base wearing an oven mitt uh, with larger bags, that's going to probably uh, increase the chances of not getting thrown out, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit, but it's not not like a huge amount here. They're only a few inches bigger. So, um, yeah, it's the, the, the throwing off, the, the, pitch, the stepping off the mound thing seems a little bit hard to digest because there's so many different aspects to it here. Um, so... 
we'll see. I'll have to take a closer look at what happens here and uh, uh, be interesting to see how, how the vote goes. Let's wrap it up with your beer pick of the week, Jay. Okay. Uh, dropped by, uh, was in Red Hook this weekend and dropped by other half brewing here uh, and had a chance to pick up some of my favorites here. Um, the one I'm going to focus on is their Green City. Uh, I've said this before, but anytime you've got another half beer that has the word green in the name, uh, snap it up because it's guaranteed to be a great IPA. Uh, this is one of their flagship IPAs. This is, uh, I've got Centennial and Citra Hops as, as well as Simcoe. Um, so it's got kind of a, a, a West Coast uh, profile to it in terms of the hops, uh, but it's a decidedly East Coast IPA because of the, the double dry hopping and the creaminess to it, uh, the haziness to it. Uh, comes in at 7%, and it's so fresh out of the can. It's just, it's just a wonderful beer, one of my favorites. Terrific stuff as always. Jay, appreciate the time. We'll look forward to uh, jumping back with you next Wednesday on the show. All right, sounds great. Thanks, Steve. Jay Jaffe, folks, as we continue 37 past the hour. Uh, Bernie Olivas standing by 20 minutes from now when he begins our 5 o'clock hour on our Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl watch, so stay tuned for that. Jeff Erickson a little bit later, and then Lee Sterling all coming up today right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Your uh, Sun Bowl trivia contest when Bernie Olivas stops in in addition to the pair of Tony the Tiger tickets. So you're going to get Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl tickets and you're going to get UTEP New Mexico State Battle of I-10 tickets. And these just aren't, uh, you know, your normal run-of-the-mill, you know, GAs in the end zone. Uh Uh-uh. Section 4, press box side, uh, row 15. These are great seats. Great, great seats. And they can be yours if you answer our Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl trivia quiz, which will be coming up here to begin our 5 o'clock hour when Bernie stops in. Then Jeff Erickson about an hour from now. And then Lee Sterling at 6. Hags at 6.30. We're loaded today. And by the way, I need to to send a very special thank you to Jaime in Santa Teresa, better known as Pinky, who stopped by the uh, ballpark yesterday. And I'm not talking Southwest University Park. I'm talking about the old parks known at Cloudview, which is now Irwin uh, Lambda Field, and uh, watched a little uh, 10U Select baseball yesterday with uh, the Mayhem and the Las Cruces Cardinals. And it was great having uh, Pinky there. Um, had a chance to see uh, our team play. We lost a tough one, 8-7, but it was great just to have him stop in and, and spend about an hour and a half watching uh, some Little League baseball last night. Shout out to uh, Pinky. Steve, I, I got to uh, highlight this. You told me that Joel pitched again last night. So he did. You go. Give us the full report. He did all right. He uh, threw two and a thirds. Uh, I think his arm got a little tired in the third inning. That's what he told me on the way home, and I could see it too. But he pitched fine. For someone who's never really thrown the ball other than, you know, playing catcher and some infield, he's going to be all right behind, you know, at the mound. So he throws the ball over the plate, doesn't, you know, his command is pretty good. And uh, to me, he seems to be getting more and more confidence up there. So it was it was fun to watch. And I liked watching him at the plate yesterday. Drove a couple of balls. So, yeah, we got another one tonight, by the way. Going back out to the fields. Uh, they play at 6. I'm off at 6.30. So by the time I get to the park, it'll probably be probably third inning or so. And hopefully get a chance to watch a half hour, 45 minutes of baseball before uh, we get home tonight. Sweet, man. I'm glad that uh, you're getting a chance to do that. I'm, I'm happy for Joel. He's having early season success and hoping that this continues throughout the season. Me too. I'm with you on that one. And uh, I think that for the most part, you know, as long as these kids have some fun, 
That's all that matters. Play a little ball. Doesn't matter if it's baseball, basketball, soccer, football, whatever it is, golf, tennis. Hey, exercise is the most important thing, and that's uh, what we get a chance to do a little bit here during the year, and it's it's great to watch. And uh, yesterday we had no show, so I was able to actually watch the entire game, which is is a rarity for me. Normally, because of this, you know, I I miss a good portion of these games, so I was happy to at least be there enough to uh, to catch the, uh, the entire ball game. Yeah, I'm happy you did that as well, Steve. A doubleheader for Chihuahuas, getting a chance to head out and watch some Little League baseball. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to hear how the season continues for Joel. Me too. You know what else I'm really excited about, in addition to seeing how his season continues? I'm excited about the NFL season, which kicks off tonight. Bills-Rams. What a terrific Thursday night game to whet your appetite in about 90 minutes when these two teams uh, battle for the first time this season. Yeah, out at SoFi, Bills favored. Uh, this is an interesting one for so many reasons. Uh, first off, for the Bills, they had a uh, – what an offseason that they had. I mean, acquiring players left and right, getting a Super Bowl champion and Von Miller on their side from the Rams. And then on the other side with L.A., the offseason story for them is how do they generate more success and equal success like they did last year after – as the defending Super Bowl champions, Matthew Stafford's elbow has been the subject of a lot of talks, but I think uh, all indications say that he is good to go for tonight. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. I want high-powered offense. I want a ton of points. I want excitement here for uh, the NFL kickoff. Well, I think you're going to get that. I, I really do. I mean, you think about it. Um, you know, the big story today on social media is not the NFL season kicking off either. It's that uh, Queen Elizabeth passed away. Let's be honest. That's all really we're seeing all over uh, the news and all over social media. But we do have the NFL starting tonight. Uh, I think that there are people that are pretty uh, revved up about today's game. And, you know, the Bills have a good defense. So if, if the Rams can put points on the board today with that offense, I'm interested to see, number one, Stafford's health. I'm interested to see if the Rams can pick it up right where they left it off last year or if Buffalo is going to come in and look like they are in fact the uh, one of the, you know the top teams in, in the entire league this season. I'm interested to see what's going on in Buffalo's secondary because you have Kahira Elam, you have Christian Benford. Those are the two rookies that they could start opposite of D- uh, Dane Jackson. Uh, you, of course, remember Tredavious White is sidelined with a left knee injury. That's a huge loss for Buffalo going into this one. So so, uh, Matthew Stafford will be asked to be uh, picking apart the defense in terms of his passing game. But on the flip side, how do the Rams slow down that high-powered Buffalo offense? I mean, they get inside linebacker Bobby uh, Wagner after losing Von Miller this offseason. How do the Rams readjust? Uh, Aaron Donald is going to be Aaron Donald left and right, and he's going to uh, you know apply pressure to the Buffalo uh, offense. But does Josh Allen uh, have a field day against this Rams defense in his opening game of the 2022 season? It's going to be a great game i'm just so fascinated to see how uh, both teams come out for their first game i'm with you on that one so that's happening tonight by the way high school football continues tonight including the west side bowl between franklin and coronado but playing at the sun bowl i can never recall a matchup between these two teams this early in the season. Can you? Never. And I think that it's the product of a nine-team District 1-6-A, which uh, district action kicks off this weekend. It's hard to believe that, uh, you know, after just two weeks of non-district play, this uh, 1-6-A is already having to ramp up district play. It's going to be a dogfight to try to get into the playoffs in this district right here. Franklin's coming off a commanding 42 nothing victory against Andrus last week, and then uh, Coronado is trying to bounce back after a setback against a mad 
Candy Teo from last week. So, yeah, you know, for Franklin, they've won 20 of the last 27 matchups. Shout wow. out to Felix Chavez for that stat. But, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those matchups where Coronado has a lot to prove in this one. And who knows? I mean, the, the way that they came out in week one against Chapin and they, they won in that upset victory, I wouldn't put it past the T-Birds to give the Cougars a really good game tonight. But you know what else is kind of interesting, Adrian? They always save this game for last, even when we did have a, a regular a regular district slate. So I'm wondering why this year the schedule makers decided to have play these two teams early instead of being the last game of uh, of district play. It's bizarre to me. I, I don't understand why this is the case. Uh, you also have America's Montwood uh, kicking off as well, which is also a big rivalry. So, uh, a lot, And then even tomorrow, you look at the Pebble Hill Spartans playing against the Eastwood Troopers. If that game was later on in the season, that arguably could be a district championship caliber game. So it's interesting that these 1-6-A games, which hold so much, uh, I, I guess, so much value when it comes to this whole season, and they're, they're kicking off tomorrow and this weekend. So uh, it's just really interesting to watch 1-6-A district play kicking off this week. Do you like the fact that we only usually get 6-A games on Thursday? We don't see any 5-A games as well? Yeah, I, I wish we would get more, but I, I think it's also another product of the SAC. Uh, you know, they, they've got to schedule a different thing. They've got a doubleheader tomorrow. I mean, after that game that I just mentioned, the Pebble Hills-Eastwood game, yep. you've got El Dorado-Eastlake right after that one. So you're talking about four quality games at, or three quality games out at the SAC this weekend between America's Montwood, uh, Eastwood Pebble Hills, and El Dorado Eastlake. So I think it's more of a product of the availability at the SAC, although uh, other 5A teams, they can schedule their own Thursday night games. That's true. One hour down, 90 minutes to go. Up next, Bernie Olivas, Tony the Tiger, Sun Bowl Watch. Your chance to win as we continue. Hour number two, along with Adrian Broadus. And uh, UTEP Zay, who's in the house. Good to see Zay making his way back here. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. And now uh, we welcome back Bernie Olivas for another edition of the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch. After now we could say the first uh, full week of games is in the books for uh, you know college football. Some teams have played two apiece already, like the Miners in New Mexico State are going to be hooking up this weekend at the Battle of I-10. Uh, you were in uh, Norman this past weekend, and uh, how was that trip back to Oklahoma for you? You know, everything but the score was great. Uh, you know, I thought UTEP, you know, kind of after it looks like they got to a little nervous start, but then I thought they played very well the rest of the day. I'm with The you. rest of the game. So, uh, so I think uh, some good things are ahead for our, for our minors, especially this weekend. I'm with you on that one. And hopefully, uh, you know, UTEP can get back uh, to uh, where they left off, uh, you know, last season, back on their winning ways and, and try and get their first win of the year. In fact, uh, we have, uh, we're, we're going to do things a little differently today, Bernie. We're going to go and uh, jump right into the Chick-fil-A Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Selectum Contest and congratulate Terry Ann Burley, who... Last week, uh, Terry Ann went 9 out of 10. I don't even know how that's possible, but she went 9 out of 10 and ended up winning the contest. Not only did she win 9 out of 10, her score was off by 1 point. For Notre Dame-Ohio State. For the Notre Dame-Ohio State, and she <laughs> happens to be from Aiden, North Carolina. Wow. Which is right outside Greenville, she told me when I spoke to her on the phone, and she's excited. She says, I'll make my plane tickets to come down to El Paso on December 30th. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So she wins the contest, and she's already looking to fly in from North Carolina to El Paso for the game. You gotta love that. And she beat our celebrity picker. She, she, beat, she beat Tony, Tony the, Tiger. the Tiger, who won, who got an astounding 3 out of 10 great. Oh, <laughs> Tony. Last week. 
week. Good Lord. So Tony the Tiger. Like uh, me. <laughs> yeah, he, he picked like a mascot. That's the best way to put it. That's exactly. Um, by the way, uh, as far as our picks go for this season, uh, Bernie, for one week, for one week, I have bragging rights over you and over Adrian. I picked six out of ten. I'm telling you what, that is not super, but that's a lot better than what I did. You went? Five. And believe it or not, Adrian went? I don't even want to say it. Go ahead. I only picked four right. Four out of ten. <laughs> Can you believe it? Wow. I know. And we're the experts. Yes, uh, some experts. I know. Yeah. But uh, congratulations to Terry Ann. That's terrific. And we have a new celebrity. Uh, we have a new celebrity picker today on the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch. None other than Jim Sinner, the athletic director over at UTEP, and a big week for UTEP football here and the Southwest because it's the Battle of I ten. It's only fitting you would get Jim on uh, for this. Uh, first off, welcome back to the show, and welcome for the first time to the Chick Fil A Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Selectum Contest. Hey uh, guys, I'm really excited. Thanks for inviting me and having me be on uh, on the show as a celebrity uh, as a celebrity guest picker. I can tell you though, if, if you've got people that are getting on this show and picking nine out of ten games right, they should be in Vegas yes. making a lot of money. I agree right? with that because I, I, I'm a little intimidated at this point. <laughs> Uh, I got news for you. We're all intimidated, uh, Jim. That's for sure. So uh, it is going to be difficult to try to outtop any of those picks. But we'll do our best. We'll we'll record you and uh, see how you do uh, following the contest when it's all said and done. We've got, um, you know, the way this works is we just pick straight up games, no spread. We just go straight up winners, and uh, we've got uh, lots of games around college football. So you're going to have to give it your best shot. All right, and. Uh, we will begin. Right, I'll, I'll, give it, I'll give it the call a try. Good. We're going to begin with uh, a couple of ACC games. Let's start first with Louisville visiting uh, Central Florida. So Louisville is at UCF to start it off. Uh, Jim, why don't you give us your best guess as to who you think will win that one? Yeah, you know what? UCF has done such a great job as of late. I wouldn't bet against them in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and I think Louisville's still trying to find their way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with UCF and the Golden Knights. All right, that's a smart. I, I like that pick. They're they're five and a half uh, at home favorites, so that's good. Even though we don't play with the spreads, I'll still give you the spread just to get an idea of where Vegas thinks this is gonna go. And uh, I'll be the first to tell you, I agree with Jim. I'm I'm picking uh, UCF at home as well. What about you, Bernie? I was surprised that Louisville lost to Syracuse last week as badly as they as did. badly as they did. Thirty-one-seven in South Carolina whipped up on. Uh, uh, UCF beat up on Southwest Carolina, fifty-six to ten. I'm going. I'm going UCF. All right, Adrian. Yeah, no brainer. UCF on this. Adrian, you tell me you're going all chalk this week after last yeah, week, right? I'm, I'm embarrassed. So yeah. uh, I got. I got to win. All right, uh, let's go to our next game, and that's going to be Duke at Northwestern. Both teams are one and zero as they get ready to battle at Ryan Field in Evanston, Illinois. Bernie, I'll let you lead this one off. Duke and Northwestern. I was a little surprised that uh, that Duke beat Temple, you know, thirty to zero. But of course, Northwestern also beat Nebraska. I am going with Northwestern. As a matter of fact, of the twenty teams that we're picking that we have to choose from this week, they went fifteen and five last week. Got a lot of winners, a lot of top games. But I'm going with Northwestern this week. Adrian, I'm not taking a team like Northwestern who beat up on a bad Nebraska team. Give me Duke in an upset. Oh my goodness! You said you're going chalk. I know. I'm already. Sw- I'm already going. The Way. All right, Jim, what about you? Well, I tell you what, I, I don't know who's a better football team, but I know this. There ain't going to be two teams with any higher GPAs and intellect on the fields than these 
in these two groups. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I, I, I'm contrary to, to Adrian. I thought I thought uh, Northwestern looked pretty dang good against Nebraska on the road, and uh, for a bunch of smart kids. And so I'm going to take uh, Northwestern over Duke. All right, that makes three out of four. I'm with you on that one. I will take Northwestern as well. Moving on to game number three, Colorado visiting Air Force. The Buffaloes did not look particularly strong uh, out of the gate. They are 0-1. Air Force is 1-0. Believe it or not, uh, this game at Falcon, Falcon Stadium, the Air Force Academy right now, 17.5 point favorites. All started off. Uh, I will uh, go Air Force uh, in this one. Don't think it's going to be that close. What about you, Bernie? I'm going to Pac-12. I'm thinking that Carl Durrell is going to get these buffs going. I'm going with Colorado this weekend in a big upset. This is going to be the easiest lunch at the end of the season <laughs> ever in the history. But that's good. I'm happy you're picking Colorado. Adrian, your turn. Air Force. All right. And Jim. Well, you guys know I worked for eight years at, at Colorado and oversaw their football program. My, my heart's with the buffs. Uh, I can tell you this, though. Air Force is really tough at home, and trying to stop the triple option is dang near impossible. Uh, I really think Air Force will win, but I'm going to go with the buffs because all my buff friends would kill me if they knew I, uh, I picked Air Force. Fair enough. Okay, we've got you down for uh, for Colorado with Bernie. Adrian and, and I will both uh, go uh, with the opposite. We will go with the Air Force Academy there. All right, moving along to our next matchup. Another very interesting game. Washington State, undefeated, 1-0, going up to Madison and uh, Camp Randall Stadium to take on uh, the Badgers, who are also 1-0, and they are 19th in the country, guys. Um, all right, Jim, I'll let you lead us off. Where are you going to go in this one? Hey, you know what? I, I don't think there's any comparison between those two programs. I think it's Wisconsin all the way. All right, Wisconsin, uh, which takes us now to Adrian. No question about it. Wisconsin wins this. Bernie. You know I'm a Pac-12 guy, but... But sorry, Jay. Jay Pritchard, he's a he's a Wazoo grad. I have to go with Wisconsin. All right, we're all in agreement. We will all pick Wisconsin in this one at home against Washington State. Next up on the agenda, Tennessee visiting number seventeen Pitt. All right, this is also going to be a pretty intriguing matchup. Tennessee, twenty fourth in the country. They're one and zero. Pitt, seventeenth in the country. They're one and zero. It's at uh, Acrisure Stadium in Pittsburgh. Uh, Tennessee, six point favorites on the road. That's the kind of love that the SEC gets. I'll kick things off here. I will take Pitt. I've always liked Pitt at home. I don't think this is going to be any different. I will take the Panthers. Adrian. I'm going the Volunteers. I'll go with the team that's favored, even though I love the backyard brawl last week. Pitt and West Virginia, fantastic game. i got to go with Tennessee. Jim. I'm taking Pitt, man. I, I love the way they competed against West Virginia last week, and uh, I think they got it going on. That was one of the best games, by the way, you're going to see all college football season. That was incredible, those two games, that, that game. Bernie, wrap us up. I'm going, I'm going with uh, Pat Narduzzi and the, Pit, and the Pitt Panthers. All right. So we have three Pitt Panthers and one Tennessee pick, which would be Adrian. That takes us to our next matchup, Syracuse at UConn. All right. Here we go. Syracuse uh, with their impressive performance is 1-0. UConn is 1-1. This one will be at Pratt and Whitney Stadium in East Hartford, Connecticut. Jim, start us off on this one. 
Yeah, I've got to go with the Orange. I, I just think they're a better program all the way around than UConn. But I think UConn's getting better. They look a heck of a lot better against Utah State. Syracuse for Jim. I will agree with him and also take uh, the Orange in this one. Uh, what about you, Bernie? I'm going Syracuse as well. Adrian. Syracuse. All right, we're all in agreement. Let's jump back to the Pac-12 and go to our next matchup. It's number 14, USC, visiting Stanford. All right, uh, we already know USC is in the top 25. They are currently ranked 10th. Stanford uh, not ranked, but they are both 1-0 coming into this matchup in uh, Stanford uh, Stadium. All right, uh, Bernie, start us off this time. Well, like I said, USC made a statement this last weekend by beating Rice, what, 66-14. to 14. Even though Stanford beat Colgate 41-10 convincingly as well, but we've got to go with those Trojans. All right, I'm in agreement with you. I will also go USC. Jim? You know what? I, uh, my, my, my mentor is the AD at USC, so I've got to pick USC. But I'll just tell you, Stanford has been the one school that's knocked off the Trojans when nobody expected. So right. It would not surprise me, but I'm going to pick the Trojans. You're right about that, Jim. You're absolutely right about that. Adrian? Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, USC. All right. Back to the ACC for our next matchup. Boston College visiting Virginia Tech. This actually has a chance to be a pretty entertaining football game. It really does. Boston College enters this one 0-1. Virginia Tech enters this one 0-1. As far as the uh, spread, two and a half points. Uh, the Hokies are favored at home in Blacksburg. Um, Adrian, lead us off this time. So last week, Boston College lost to a Big Ten team. And on the other side, Virginia Tech lost to Old Dominion. Give me Boston College in this one. Okay, uh, I'm with you on that one. I'm also going Boston College on the road against Virginia Tech. Bernie. Boston College. I'm going with Boston College. When you look, for the same reason that Adrian said, Rutgers, Old Dominion, they were both very close games, but I'm going, I'm going with Boston College. Are we going to have a perfect four, uh, four picks for BC? Jim, you tell us, are you going to go with Virginia Tech at home? Hey, guys, you're, you're missing it. The Hokies are going to be red hot, and they're going to be mad as heck. They're tough in, in Blacksburg, so I'm going with the Hokies. Fair enough. That takes us to our final two games, both of them involving Pac-12 teams. Oregon State visiting Fresno State. That's the first of our final two as far as the uh, rankings or the matchups so far. Oregon State uh, finds themselves 1-0. Fresno State is 1-0. It'll be a Bulldog Stadium in Fresno, California. How close is this one? Oregon State, a one-point road favorite. All right, Bernie, I'll let you start this one off. I'm going to stick with the Pac-12, and I'm going Oregon State. All right. They uh, beat, hey, they beat Boise State, which kind of makes you feel better because I know we get them. We, we, you know, we get them in a couple of weeks. And uh, I, I think we're going to do well against them. So I'm going for Oregon State. Jake Hayner went 36 out of 42 in their first game for 377 yards and a pair of touchdowns. And their running back, Mims, ran for two TDs and 73 yards. On top of that, I watched Fresno State in the minors last year in the New Mexico Bowl. I've seen enough of Fresno to think they're going to be for real, especially at home against Oregon State. I'll go with Fresno. Adrian, your turn. I'll go with the Beavers on the road. All right, Jim, you wrap us up. I'm taking Fresno State. I, I think they got all the pieces to, uh, to, beat, to beat the Beavers. So we're split. Jim uh, takes Fresno. I take Fresno. Bernie and Adrian both have Oregon State. Final game of the weekend. Arizona hosting Mississippi State. This one's at Arizona Stadium in Tucson. Both teams are 1-0. Arizona 
Jacob Cowing, former minor, 152 yards, three touchdowns in his Arizona debut. Can they do it to a Bulldogs team out of the SEC who comes into this one 10.5-point favorites on the road? Um, Mr. Celebrity Guest, you can start us off for our final game. You know what? I just don't think Arizona's got the same type of athlete that Mississippi State does. Mississippi State will put up a bunch of points and score on you, so I'm, I'm going to take the Bulldogs from Mississippi State. I know you've been. Uh, I know when you watched what Cowing did last week, you were probably pretty impressed, but not surprised after what you saw the last couple of years here at UTEP. Yeah, he did a terrific job. We're happy for him. Sad for the miners that he's still not wearing blue and orange, but good for that kid. I hope he just goes all the way with it. All right, so you've got Mississippi State. Adrian, your turn. Give me Jacob Cowing University. Look at that. Wow. Arizona going to upset Mississippi State, according to Adrian, who's well on his way to his second 4-10 and of the year. Uh, Bernie, what about you here for our third pick? I hate to go against the Pac-12 here, but, you know, Mississippi State does have Mike Leach, and he knows how to put points on the board. I'm going Mississippi State. All right. Uh, that makes three out of four going Mississippi State. I'll take him on the road as well, although I love Adrian's homer pick. That is great. Tiebreaker now. Number of points for USC and Stanford. Uh, Jim, the over-under, in case you're wondering in this one, just to give you an idea, is 67 and a half. What do you think the uh, tiebreaker total will be with USC and Stanford? Uh, I think it'll be more like 60. All right. 60 points. Adrian, your turn. I pick 52. Oh, everybody's going lower. Very interesting. Uh, Bernie? I'm going lower than that. I'm going 48. All right. I will go higher. I'm going 69. I think it's going to be a very high-scoring affair with these two teams. And uh, both will be in the 30s and pretty entertaining football game. All I can tell you is this. Jim, you've been terrific. And uh, I know uh, you've been very busy taking time out, especially with the Battle of I-10 Saturday. How are we doing? How are tickets pacing for this one? Well, I tell you, we have a steady stream of folks coming into the ticket office and buying tickets online. We're excited. Uh, I don't know that we'll have the same kind of crowd we did for the opener, but it'll be a raucous crowd, and hopefully uh, our minor fans show up and represent uh, the 915 as we take on the Aggies from New Mexico State. It should be a great game. I'll tell you this much, uh, that look that UTEP had on the road against Oklahoma, that all-white look with the white 915 helmet, that's about as sharp as I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. The kids liked it a lot, and, uh, of course we, and I think we played – uh, okay, we've gone off to a slow start there, but I saw some things that showed me that we could be a pretty good football team when we settle down. And we, we don't, we're not, you know, awestruck by the environment. So, anyway, this should be a heck of a game. We need to get on the winner board. Well, I'm telling you, I think every El Paso and Minor fan would agree with you on that one. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll look forward to seeing you Saturday night at the Sun Bowl. Jim, thanks for joining us and being our uh, celebrity guest here for uh, this week's edition of the Chick-fil-A Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Selectum Contest. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Jim. And like I said, for all you guys listening, uh, the, winner, the winner of the Chick-fil-A Selectum Contest, if they beat our celebrity, our celebrity uh, picker, Jim Center, will get an extra extra prize from Chick-fil-A. Compliments of Joy Martinez and Anthony Martinez down to Chick-fil-A on Edgemere and Airway. So, uh, Jim, good luck, and good luck to, to whoever wins this week, and see if you can beat Jim Center. If- All right, gang. Thank you, everybody.
If Jim outpicks everybody in the contest, does he get the prize? Because he sure would deserve it. Yeah, I think we could we could we could arrange that. All right, good luck, Jim. I hope you win. We'll see All what right. happens. Bye-bye. There you go, Jim Center, folks, director of athletics for UTEP. Twenty past. We will come back more of the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl watch, including trivia. Your chance to win tickets to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl game on December thirtieth. Coming up next, right after Charlie One with this traffic update. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl watch. Bernie Olivas here. Time to play trivia. First person to correctly identify this question at 505-6009 will win themselves a pair of tickets to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl on December 30th. And as an added bonus, we're going to throw in a pair of seats to Saturday's Battle of I-10. That's right. UTEP New Mexico State included in the prize package. Tough trivia question today. Uh, does Adrian have the answer yet? Oh, good, he, yes, does. he does. That's good. All right, let's uh, let's throw this out there because people are going to need this uh, some time to think this one over. You know, that's what I thought last week, Steve. I thought we had a pretty good question last week with the and somebody with the two quarterbacks playing on the same NFL team, and somebody picked it on the second pick. I know. So we'll see how this one works. So for two tickets to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl and the Battle of I ten. Which current ACC team and current Pac-12, t- Pac-12 team have played in the Tony Tiger, the Sun Bowl, the most times? Which ACC team and which Pac-12 team have played in the, in the Tony Tiger, Sun Bowl, the most times? Who has made the most appearances? Do we just need the two schools or do we need the numbers? What do you want? I think the two schools will work. All right, fair enough. Oh, we need the how many times, yes. yes. Not, not the years or anything, but how right. many times. So we need the schools and how many times. Uh, one question as a clue, are the, two, are the two schools that are the correct answers, have they both played the same number of times or is it different? Different. All right. There you go. So, again, we need the schools and the number of times they've each played in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl game. 505-6009, our telephone number. You're going to win not just tickets to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, but you're going to be going to the game Saturday night, uh, Battle of I-10, um, with us as well. So excited about that. Uh, by the way, there were uh, terrific games over the weekend that were played. I don't know where you want to start because if you think about it, Bernie, we had games Friday night that uh, you know Old Dominion-Virginia Tech game was a close one. Uh, Old Dominion ends up winning by a field goal, and then Duke shuts out Temple, and then it just continued into craziness on Saturday. It was a wild weekend, wasn't it? Especially for that ACC. You know, NC State survived two missed, a missed field goal and a missed extra point at the end of the game to win by one. North Carolina gave up six touchdowns in the last quarter yeah. and still won the game by two but with, a, with a tremendous tackle on a two-point conversion. How do you do that? How do you give up 40 points in the fourth <laughs> quarter and you, still, and you still win? That's amazing. That, that is amazing. And, of course, everybody said that Florida State game, oh, what a, what a game that was with that blocked extra point with no time remaining. And, that, you know, they were extremely lucky because I had no idea what they were try- why they were trying to score a touchdown when they were already up seven with less than two minutes to go. All they had to do was kneel in the ball, kick a field goal, and be, you know, and have, you know, be, you know, two scores down. And they tried to – and then they pitched it on the goal line and yep. lost the fumble and then let them go, let them go 98 yards and, uh, to, to get, a, uh, to get the t- uh, uh, extra point block. Unbelievable game. So yep. uh, a lot of good football this last weekend. And, uh, again, looks like we're going to have a lot of good football this weekend as well. Let's talk about some of the other matchups. Were you surprised that Oregon got beat as bad as they did by Georgia? Oh, absolutely I was. As a matter of fact, I, I knew I picked uh, Georgia to win, but I didn't think they were going to – 
it really took it to you know to the Ducks that you know last Saturday. What an ending between Utah and Florida. That game was wild as well, uh, down to the finish in the swamp. Oh, absolutely. Again, I think I think Utah. I still think Utah is the best team in the Pac-12 this year. Uh, and, and we'll see how the rest of the season goes for them. But, uh, but that was another tremendous football game. Um, Washington State beat Idaho 24-17, so that was a big win for them. Oregon State beating Boise 34-17, big win for the Beavers to start it off. Uh, Washington also a winner along with Stanford, Cal, Arizona beating San Diego State convincingly behind those three touchdown catches from Jacob Cowing. UCLA pounded Bowling Green. USC beat up on Rice. We talked about the other games as well. Uh, Colorado lost uh, Friday night to TCU 38-13 in the other one. Again, uh, the Pac-12, the only teams that lost were the top two. What everybody was saying was the top two teams in the Pac-12, Oregon Oregon and, and Utah, and then Colorado lost. Every other Pac-12 team won this last weekend. So, you know, that's good for us. We, we, that means we, we might, we're going to get a, a good team here uh, come December. Some of the games we did not mention uh, when we were playing uh, last segment with um, Jim. Uh, number one, we did not mention Arizona State-Oklahoma State. That's an intriguing matchup since both teams are 1-0, and that'll be uh, in Stillwater at Boone Pickens Stadium. Um, big favorites, though, for the Oklahoma State Cowboys, 12.5-point favorites over Arizona State. You know, I didn't realize it, but I, I had an opportunity to go see uh, Central Michigan play at Oregon State because I was in Norman on Thursday night when they played, and I didn't realize it until the end. It would have been good to see our, you know, the team that kind of saved us last year by, by coming out and, and, and winning the Tony Tiger Sun Bowl, beating Washington State last week. But I, I agree with you. I think uh, or, uh, Oklahoma State's going to be is a pretty good football team. They are a pretty good football team. We have mentioned some of the other notable games. There are some lesser games, meaning Portland State and Washington. Uh, games like that. Alabama State, UCLA is also happening. Utah hosting Southern Utah. We do have one interesting game I want to bring up because I do think this one will kind of keep fans uh, abreast. UNLV visiting Cal. That has a chance to be a fun one. That sure does. Uh, I, I think Cal, like I said, Cal's been down a little bit. I think they're going to be all right. And I think, oh, I think that's going to be one of the best games of the weekend, I think, as far as the Pac-10 is concerned. I'm with you. We have a winner, by the way. Oh, How that's How about awesome. that? Tony Huerta. Congratulations, Tony. So he was able to guess uh, our trivia quiz. And Tony knew the uh, two teams with the most wins in the ACC in the Pac-12. Why don't you let everybody know what we were looking for? We were looking for the two ACC or the you know the, the ACC and Pac-12 teams who have played the most times in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, and North Carolina from the ACC has played in our game five times, beginning all the way back to 1972, 74, 82, 94, and one probably one of the best Sun Bowl games ever against Texas, and of course in 2016 and another tremendous game against Stanford. On the other side. Arizona State has played in Tony Tiger Sun Bowl six times, dating all the way back to 1940. They played in 40, 41, 97, 2004, 2014, and 2017. Congratulations, Tony. Well done. Nicely done. Way to go, Tony. I'm impressed. And he also wins a pair of tickets to uh, the game this weekend in addition to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl tickets. So nicely done there, Tony. All right, 32 pass. Before we wrap things up with Bernie, let's get a quick Sports Center update. Here's Adrian with the latest.
Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Bernie. Let's go over to the baseball scoreboard right now. Top of the third, Marlins up 3-0 against the Phillies. Also right now, no score between the Twins and the Yankees. Bottom of the second, scoreless on ESPN+. Also scoreless are the Brewers and the Giants. Bottom of the first of this game, game two of a doubleheader. Finals from earlier today, Nationals beat out the Cardinals 11-6. Reds get it done on the road against the Cubs 4-3. And the Brewers beat out the Giants 2-1 in game one of their double header. Let's go over to some more news today. This out of uh, St. Louis as Cardinals pitcher Adam Wainwright and catcher Yadier Molina made their 324th career start Thursday, tying the Major League mark set in 1975. Wainwright and Molina got a standing ovation from the crowd as they made their way in from the bullpen moments before first pitch against the Nationals. Let's go to more news today. This out of the NFL as uh, Chris Godwin, wide receiver of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, says that he will be a game-time decision but he's grateful for his progress from his knee injury. The Buccaneers take on the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night, and uh, Godwin suffered a torn ACL and MCL in his right knee in Week 15 last year against the New Orleans Saints. One other story to get to, Miles Sanders from the Philadelphia Eagles is ready to go, he says, for Week 1 from a hamstring injury. Miles Sanders was sidelined for more than two weeks after his first preseason game against the Jets, but he's a full participant in practice today and yesterday as preparations for the Lions began. Sanders, who's 25 years old, is projected to be the lead running back for the Eagles that led the league in rushing last year with 160 yards per game. That's a look at your Sports Center update. I'm Adrian Bruttis. Thank you very much, Adrian. We appreciate it. Patrick Torres with this question on Twitter. Does Bernie ever envision a scenario in the future where bowl games take place at the beginning of the season? That's a very interesting question, and believe it or not, CBS and I have talked about that kind of, you know, kind of, you know, not seriously. Informally? Informally, but we have talked about it, and there are some advantages of that. Of course, a bowl game is supposed to reward some, play, some, you know, some teams for a good season, but when you come to a bowl like ours and you, and, you, and you announce the teams on December the 4th or December the 5th, it doesn't give their fans a lot of time to make plans to get to El Paso. If the games were played, if they were scheduled way ahead of time and the teams knew they were coming to open the season, the fans have plenty of time to make plane reservations when it's cheaper, uh, hotel reservations when they're cheaper. It gives them a lot more time to plan to come to El Paso for a bowl game. The downside, of course, is that you bring two teams and you don't know how they're going to be at the end of the season. That's you know, true. They, you know, they might be 2-10 and ten, two and ten at the end of the season, but it is intriguing that the fans would know that they are, that where they're going, when they're going. And, you know, that's what, that's what Week Zero is all about anyway. All those Week Zero games are they're just, you know, they're basically they're preseason bowl games already, even though they're not called bowl games. But that's a very interesting question. You're way ahead of us. But we have informally talked to CBS about that. Could we eventually have a scenario where we have a preseason Sun Bowl and a regular Sun Bowl? We have two of those games in one year. All it takes is a, all it takes is a sponsor to do that. That's right. We would love to do that if we had if we could do that. But you're absolutely right. But this but opening the season with a bowl game is basically what what a lot of cities are doing uh, are doing now. And you know, there's no reason why we you know we couldn't do it as well. And like I said, for a city like El Paso, that's pretty hard to get to a lot of times in December, and the tickets are really expensive. Especially at you know when when you when you when the teams are announced December fifth or December fourth to get here by you know by December thirty first, uh, it is it is a possibility down the line. All right, that's a good question, great question actually from Patrick. Really good answer from you, Bernie. I appreciate that. 
Um, again, a lot of good games coming up this week. Um, you know, we've mentioned a lot of those on the show already, and I'm just looking right now to see if there's anything in the ACC that we didn't cover that could be potentially intriguing. Virginia, Illinois has a chance to be a very good college football game, and I think fans will, will like that. I also think uh, Wake Forest Vandy could be uh, an interesting one yes. as well. So, and there are, you know, those are the games that we were talking about. You never know which one turns out to be a, a really entertaining football game. Yeah, I look think, at the Appalachian State game. There you go. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a great football season. It sure start. It started out great. I hope it continues to get better. You'll be at the Battle of I-10 on uh, Saturday? I couldn't wouldn't miss it for the world. I'll see you there. Hey, great job today. Appreciate the time. And uh, thanks, as always, for giving us the loadout here yeah. today. And Bernie. thanks to Jim Center for joining us as well. I know he has a busy schedule this week. but And go, and go Miners. Tony, the Tiger Sunball Watch with Bernie Olivas every single week here. We normally do it Wednesdays, but we had no show yesterday because of the Chihuahua's rare doubleheader that took place yesterday. But we'll do it again with Bernie next Wednesday back here at 5 o'clock. Coming up next, Jeff Erickson from Rotowire, 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, you know, you, defending Super Bowl champ and the presumed favorite, uh, it's rare you get... That, like, highly touted of a matchup, you usually get one or, you know, either the Super Bowl champ and a decent team. You usually don't get the top two teams here like this. 100% right. What are you looking forward to the most in this particular matchup here? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, a couple of things. I want to see, is, is it, you know, is it Gabriel Davis really ascendant? Is it his time? It may not even be fair to do this with the Rams. Sometimes you'll see Jalen Ramsey on him. I want to see... Uh, I want to see how healthy Stafford is, how healthy Cam Akers is. I mean, I've been kind of fading Cam Akers so far uh, because I'm a little bit worried about that. And, of course, I'm really excited about Allen Robinson. have a lot of exposure to him. Really looking forward to seeing what he can do. Oh, I think that's great. By the way, I mean, Gabriel Davis is probably the most hyped player in the preseason. People think he is going to be the next great star. And they already have Stephon Diggs. And yet some people think that uh, Davis is going to be the guy this year. Yeah, towards the end of draft season, we saw him getting in the late third round. I think that everybody thinks everybody is still like Diggs is the number one there, but there's room for two to eat. I mean, let's, let's face it, we draft both, uh, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins in the first three rounds. We draft the two Chargers receivers in the first three rounds. Why wouldn't we do draft the two top Bills receivers, considering that Josh Allen's the first quarterback we always take? That's exactly right. Uh, meanwhile, when you know who, as far as your value meter, tell me some of the matchups you're most excited about this weekend. All right, uh, a few of them that I really, really like. Uh, I, I think that uh, I, I really uh, um, let's start with that quarterback situation here. Um, a couple guys that I really like is uh, Derek Carr this week against the Chargers. No J.C. Jackson for uh, the Chargers. Their big signing this offseason that corner. I, I think that's going to allow Carr to air it out. And remember, he's got Devontae Adams go along with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, who suddenly. Just fine now that he's got a uh, that, that Waller's got a new agent. It looks like he's going to have a new contract. No more hamstring issues for him. So it uh, seems like he's surprisingly a lot healthy now, a lot healthier now. I'm with you on that one. At the same time, isn't it difficult to to sometimes look at bad matchups in the first week of the season because we really haven't seen these teams outside of last year in the preseason, and it's kind of tough to always assume what a bad matchup could be this early. Right. I mean, you really have to pay attention to personnel moves, coaching changes, coordinator changes. That might kind of be our sign, our clue, uh, whether or not we, that we uh, have some uh, you know, improvement or not. Uh, in a lot of cases, like, for instance, this is an example, the Bengals' offensive line. Clearly a weakness for them last year. Uh, they went out and they signed three 
free agents. Uh, and they also have a rookie starting at left guard ahead of Jackson Carmen. So four new starters of the five at, on the offensive line. May take them a while to gel, but presumed improvement on, on that crew over last year. Where, when we last saw them, Joe Burrow was getting knocked on the ground every single play in the Super Bowl. So let's talk about guys that I know fantasy owners are excited about more than anything else. Probably a lot of people might have been able to get Derrick Henry at a discount because of the injury last year. And now they want to see if they're going to get the old Henry back or if this is going to be the new Henry. Yeah, that's a great storyline question. I've been fading him. I'm not uh, fairly optimistic about him. I mean, we last saw him in the in the playoff game. He didn't look to be 100%. You know, he had a couple of good runs, but he also got chased down. He also got, you know, tackled by defensive backs a couple times in that game. So I'm a little wary of Henry, especially considering where he usually goes. If you get him at the very end of the first round, I liked him, but uh, – you know, it, it just that just didn't happen very frequently. To me, a guy that's getting almost as much helium as Gabriel Davis, Damian Pierce. I don't think I've seen yep. a guy rise up like he has, especially now that we uh, know he's the starter for Houston. Yeah, and to the point where he, even the coaching staff was willing to confirm that. Usually, you see a situation there where you know they, you know, oh, we're just not gonna we're not gonna announce who it's gonna be. But Lovey Smith even came out and said, you know what? He's earned it. He's running with the ones. You never see that from the coaches. So, I mean, he, but it was so blatantly obvious too that he had the back. He was the back with the most juice in that backfield. Now we'll see him against a real defense now against the Colts. Uh, we'll see how that changes. We'll see how he gets used in passing downs. That's, that's something I'm working you know, a little bit worried about right now. What about the running back situation in Jacksonville? They play Washington this week. Is ATN going to be the guy? I think it'll be a share. I mean, I, I think. ETN is going to be the guy in passing downs, which is kind of what I want in PPR leagues. James Robinson's going to play, though, and he might get some of those between the tackle carries. He may get a lot of goal line carries. So that's, you know, ETN's not a huge guy, so he may not get goal line carries. The thing that works in our favor, though, is that if you have ETN, that he's at, you know, he's played a lot with Trevor Lawrence before in the past. So there's going to be no, uh, learning curve in terms of playing with each other. What do you think the Jets are going to do between Brees Hall and Michael Carter? Um, I think it'll be a bit of a 50-50 split. And that's interesting considering so many people are loading up on Brees Hall thinking he's going to get the lion's share of the workload, and Michael Carter slipped in a lot of drafts. Honestly, yeah, I agree. I think those are, there's a couple situations where the gap should be narrower than it is. I think that's one of them. I think with the Rams, it should be much more uh, closer between uh, between Akers and Daryl Henderson, for that matter. Uh, they're not they're not treated as an, as a timeshare. They're more as like a hey, this is a clear star, this is a clear reserve. Yep. On the on the on the flip side, I think Denver is actually not going to be like it was last year. Melvin Gordon's going to play, but I don't think nearly as much as he has in the past. Meanwhile, if there's a guy I'm interested in also, kind of that, that uh, you just have no idea what to expect, it's got to be Michael Thomas out of New Orleans. Yeah, and in fact, he's limited in practice today. Uh, you know, and he, he missed the previous two weeks uh, due to the hamstring injury. He is out there practicing now. He could be just fine. This might be just a, a workload management thing. It might be a little bit of a smokescreen by the Saints. That's entirely plausible. Uh, but I want to say, again, this is one of those where, you know, I don't have him. I wish people who did draft him good luck, but because um, I never wish injury on a player. But two years without playing, yep, uh, you know, two real, lo- two fully lost seasons. So I'm, I'm staying away. Are you jumping on Romeo Dobbs? You think he's just going to get a ton of play this weekend? Um, I 
I, I, I think he will get some play. I don't know about jumping all over because he's got to get in that circle of trust. I know he's made some plays in the preseason. Uh, none of them with Rodgers, though, uh, is one of them there. And, you know, I think you know, it was an absence of other players. Now, the, the, the thing that's kind of interesting is Alan Lazard has an ankle injury, hasn't practiced this week. So all of a sudden that could open things up a little bit more for uh, Dobbs. Uh, and Christian Watson, look, who hasn't played the preseason, might come back. So a couple of moving parts here. Agreed. All right. Uh, articles that people should check out at Rotowire. Obviously, your value meter, that's an essential on a week to week basis. It is, and I just posted an update on that. So if you're looking for some, uh, some, uh, some, some insight on your start sit decisions, that's a couple ways you can go. All right. Uh, baseball, very quickly. Give me your thoughts on Tristan Casas, who just went yard for the first time as a, a big leaguer with the Red Sox. You know, we've been waiting for his call-up. Uh, they they kind of took their time. Uh, but now uh, we're looking, you know, it, he's got that chance. Uh, he's one of three big-time prospects to get the call in the last week. Uh, Corbin Carroll is another one. And then, of course, Gunnar Henderson on the Orioles. Uh, the three of them are all guys we're really looking forward to seeing a lot of. I think they could be, uh, you know, pretty impactful down the stretch. Meanwhile, uh, guys that haven't gotten the call yet, we're still wondering uh, when Josh Young will get it. Uh, he's one of those that fans are waiting for. Yeah. Absolutely, um, and may have to wait on that one there. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's kind of tricky uh, trying to figure out what the team's motivations are. You see some surface time manipulation even still because they want to like have them, you know, not get the call until they're like so they're rookie of the year eligible next year, so they can get that compensation pick. Grayson Rodriguez, another one waiting to see when Baltimore will bring him up and give him his first chance to uh, to play in the bigs. Yeah, that one's a little different because it's just health. I think the Orioles, I think we can give them credit uh, that they've been calling up other guys. So, you know, they're, they're other top prospects. So I think you can see that they're, they're willing to do that. They've done it with, uh, you know, starting, of course, with Rushman. They've called up D.L. Hall. They're even using him in relief. Uh, so, you know, bully for them. You've got a podcast that starts in five minutes. Uh, you are way too kind to give us time this close to your own show. I appreciate you doing that, and I'll look forward to having you back on the regular rotation beginning next Wednesday. Yeah, no Actually, problem. next Thursday. Next Thursday. I'm sorry. Next Thursday. Next Thursday. Okay. Sounds right. good. Thanks, Steve. All right. Enjoy week one. You got it. Jeff Erickson with us, rotowire.com, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Up next... Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. The craziness continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Start of our third and final hour, although it's really a half an hour of sports talk because we got the Chihuahuas coming up here at the bottom of the hour along with Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. You know Progress. this man. He is uh, the one and only Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com as we continue uh, with our weekly look around uh, both uh, college and now the NFL season. How about that, Lee? In fact, your game of the week is kicking off in less than 25 minutes, the start of the season. It's going to be wild with uh, Buffalo and the Rams. And, uh, hey, it's a great way to get people introduced to ParamountSports.com. Yeah, they want to get the game for free. Just call 800-400-9741. We'll give them that game for free. Um we're 19 and 11 since the first preseason game through last weekend. So uh, you're looking for an edge, a nice – everyone wants to win that first game in the NFL. You feel good about yourself. Uh, call that number 800-400-9741.
I like the background right now. We're in your man cave. It looks impressive. You got a, a basketball in the background, a, a football with uh, – it looks like a college football. Is that is that a gamer, Lee? What do we have there? What is no, that? No, that's actually a game ball from high school. We beat our rival school. So I played a school called Palmer. We were the Palmer Pirates. We played and we played for what's called the Biscayne Or. Both schools are on – uh, on 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 the ocean, and um, we won 30, 30 to nothing. It went fourteen for fourteen for two hundred eighty seven yards in that game. So I got the game ball. Still had that from forty years ago. I love that. Uh, listen, if I went for fourteen out of fourteen, you better believe I'd want the game ball in a in a performance like that. So well, well here's, you know. here's an ironic twist to it. So my grandfather, unfortunately, my grandmother passed away right before I was born. He married a woman who already had a child. He went to our rival, Ransom. And so I actually was playing my uncle. He was my uncle in that game. So, I mean, ironic twist there. I'll never forget this. My younger brother's a year younger, knocked the living you-know-what out of him on a kickoff (laughs) team one time. And he said, he said, Welcome to Palmer football. <laughs> oh, I love yeah. that. That's phenomenal. So that and that's what. Hey, uh, we're talking you know, Florida football back uh, really when uh, early eighties. This the late seventies, late seventies, early eighties. Yep. Um, this will this might be the only time I ever do it. So actually, there was some lightning that hit my building. So I've done the last four interviews from the man cave at my house, and I'll you know obviously stay home and watch the game tonight uh, but sometimes i don't get home till 9 or 10 o'clock at night eastern time but uh, i have up I have the 72 dolphins signed by all the t- 72 dolphins um in my man cave uh, also a picture of uh got uh, lebron and and d wade when they won the their last championship it means a lot to me unfortunately i had my sister my younger sister i was the last game we went together before she passed away from cancer and uh, then I have to have a game ball, basketball that my daughter, she sang the national anthem uh, at a Utah Jazz game. They sent her uh, the game ball with her picture on it. So a lot That's of, a lot of, I don't have a whole lot of clutter here, but the few pieces I have mean a lot to me. Sounds good. Well, I know for our listeners, your picks mean a lot to them. So why don't we jump right into them? Four games this week, three in college, one in the NFL. We'll begin with the BYU and Baylor. BYU, three-point favorites over the Bears. This has a chance to be one of the most entertaining games of college football this week. I agree. And, and last year, I thought that BYU was going to go into Baylor and win easy. I was dead wrong. What happened? Baylor ran for over 300 yards in that game for over six and a half yards per carry. And I believe if memory serves me correct, I think that BYU had something like 60 something yards rushing just a little over two yards a carry. Now, almost every lineman, offensive lineman, defensive linebacker and defensive lineman returned for both teams. Almost. I mean, it's like 90%. I think it's like the same. It's going to be the same type of game here. I just think a Big 12 team is going to beat an independent at this level. Now, maybe not Notre Dame, but Baylor, it really goes under the radar. And then on top of that, the top two receivers for BYU, who are both really good, are a game-time decision. Even if they play, they're maybe 80 85%. I, I like Baylor. I think they'll win this game here, something like 27-20. Let's take us to our second game now of the week, Alabama and Texas. This is the one that all uh, Longhorn fans are excited about. 
Um, they're playing this in Austin, yet the Crimson Tide, the 20-and-a-half-point favorites after a Texas uh, was able to win. Um, and, and you watch that game. Uh, you know, yours was a slow start, but he got better and looked pretty impressive. Is 20-and-a-half a pretty accurate, or do you think that the Horns could keep this one close? They're going to have to play really good defense to stay in this game. And they returned seven starters. I just don't see any of their guys on defense that are difference makers. Um, nothing like Will Anderson for Alabama, who might might be the first pick in the NFL draft if the team doesn't need a quarterback. He's that good. So people don't realize you. They talk about the Alabama offense. But their defense, they allowed just 2.7 yards per carry last year. They didn't have 37 or 47 sacks. It 57 sacks. And the Texas offensive line gave up three sacks last week against Louisiana Monroe. You got to think that Alabama is going to get five or six sacks here. I think they're. I think this is a tough, tough game here for Texas. On top of that, I don't think Alabama is going to be overconfident. I think their battle cry on the road, every road game is, remember Texas A&M from last year. Sometimes you got to lay it if you want to play it. I, I like Alabama here big. Roll Tide, 48-20. I love it. Lee uh, with yeah. us from ParamountSports.com as we continue our weekly chat. All right, Battle of I-10. Both teams looking for their first win of the season, Miners and the Aggies. Uh, I've seen this going up as high as 16 or 17 in the last 24 hours. We're going to play it at 14 where it's been for much of the week. Miners at home, two touchdown favorites over the Aggies. You've probably watched a little bit of the, these two teams the first couple of weeks. Give me your thoughts. Well, uh, you could have gone to sleep for a quarter and you wouldn't have missed much on offense for either team. Combined, these two teams haven't scored uh, 50 points. So I think that UTEP will get untracked here. The problem for, uh, for, for when you watch New Mexico State, no offense. They can't push the ball down the field. you got to make explosive plays. Um, they just are not able to do that. They're even now starting to have some breakdowns on defense. If you watched the game last week where Minnesota played them, they were merciful in, in not running up the score. I mean, they, that score could have been 58 nothing instead of 38 nothing. I think it's going to be a nice, easy win here for UTEP. I think they win this game here 41-14. All right. That would be big for minor fans if they could put 41 points on the Aggies for sure. Uh, let's go now to Tampa and the Cowboys. This will be our final game of the week, our only NFL game. Uh, Bucks a point and a half on the road. Favorites uh, over the Cowboys. Tom Brady has had a very interesting preseason with all the off-the-field drama. Uh, there's been rumblings that uh, with the offensive line being battered, uh, Brady's health uh, might not be, uh, you know, might be tested a little bit this year. You tell me, is the right team favored uh, with the Cowboys uh, getting a point and a half uh, at home? But I think the pressure is off Dallas. I, and I can say that for maybe the first time in 25 years. Really not a lot of high expectations this year. You know, they lost some receivers. They lost their left tackle, Smith. He's going to be out for a while. So they might go under the radar, believe it or not. And I, I, I've never said that in maybe 25 years. They had the number one offense last year, over 400 yards a game, almost 32 points. As bad as they played in that first half against uh, San Francisco last year, they still only came up 24 yards short. So I, I think that Tampa's got some problems. When you're missing three of your top four offensive linemen, as quick as Tom Brady's releases, it's going to be even quicker this year. He's going to want to stay out of harm's way. No Gronk. Possibly no Godwin for this game here. Uh, I think Tampa Bay is headed for a rough season. I like Dallas. The wrong team is favored. 
I like the Cowboys here, 28-24. All right, Lee, let's talk about what you've got at ParamountSports.com right now. In fact, with the NFL season underway, you have put together a three-week football package. Tell our listeners about that. Yes, so if you've never been with me before, you don't have to jump in for the season. Try me through September 30th. Three weeks of football. We rate our selections from 10 to 50 units. We have maybe 140 to 50 unit play every month. We have a 40 to 50 unit play going this weekend in football. We also, um, we, and we average probably 10 to 14 games a week. So you're not like you're going to get three or four games uh, a weekend. It's probably 10 to 14 per week. Probably six, five to six on a Saturday, three to four on a Sunday. And then you got these Monday, Thursday, Friday games. We'll also throw in the UFC card for Saturday night, UFC pay-per-view. 279, where we have a 50-unit selection. We won 14 of the last 16 40 to 50-unit plays in the UFC. We're over 76% in football the last decade on these big plays. And we're going to throw in a 40-unit selection in baseball, where we have, we're have we up over 35 more wins and losses baseball this season. So no one does it better. All three things, 297 through September 30th. ParamountSports.com. Lee Sterling, you're the best, man. We appreciate the time. I hope the office recovers quickly from the lightning strike, but I'm impressed with the man cave. The man cave looks good, and uh, I could tell that uh, now I know why you like to be in there. There's a lot of cool stuff in there for sure. Thanks so much, Steve. You have to come down and visit one time, all right? We'll do so. There he is. That's Lee, folks, from Paramount Sports as we continue here on the program. 13 past. We'll come back. Wrap things up next with Tim Haggerty right after uh, Charlie won in this traffic update. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. It's in the El Paso uh, Metro 